Hey, Kevin here, Skylabs, bringing you another video. Today we wanted to go over our favorite large size speakers. And by favorite, I mean our fastest selling speakers. As a business, there's nothing better than turning over products. So when I see these speakers come in the door or when I get a call saying someone's got a pair of these for sale, I am a very happy person because usually they don't even make it on the floor. I will have customers come in, they will say, hey, do you have blah, blah, blah speaker? And I say, well, I should have some in a week or two. They're in the back right now, we just need to go through them. They will usually take a look at them and put some money down on them and that's it. They never even make it on the floor. The beauty about every speaker on this list is you can try them for almost free. And what I mean by that is you can buy them, take them home, use them for four months, you know, really get to listen to them for a while. And if it's not a right fit for you, you are not gonna have trouble selling these. Even to a local dealer or a local reseller, I can pay up for these speakers because I know how fast they're gonna sell. Unlike a lot of smaller boutique brands out there. You know, a lot of people, I get calls or they send me emails and they say, hey, I've got this amazing speaker built in Colorado in the 70s. I've never heard of the brand. They're like, I paid $50,000 for it. You know what I mean? They want an arm and a leg for them, but you know, very few people know about that brand or know that brand existed. And it makes it really hard to sell. This is something you figure out as a business owner. I like things that sell fast. I like popular things. I like things that people come in the store looking for. And these five speakers, we get people in the store all the time looking for these speakers. And if you'd like to support the channel, please head over to skylabsaudio.com. There's some great merchandise. We've got our record cleaner. We've got our acrylic platters. There's t-shirts, there's coffee mugs, all kinds of great stuff. Also, make sure to check out the Hi-Fi Fanatic. Uh, that's kind of at the bottom of the main page there at Skylabs Audio. And that's where people have submitted their systems and we post up some pictures and a quick little write-up on their, on their system. There's been some amazing submissions lately. Uh, really appreciate you guys uploading those and gals. Thank you very much. And let's get into this video. one up on our list we've got a Sirwin Vega D9 these came out in 1984 they retailed for $500 for a pair they are 101 dB efficient which is the most efficient speaker on the list this is a three-way design with a 15 inch woofer the Sirwin Vega is a little bit controversial in that some people and mainly audiophiles that think everything has to be flat hate these speakers these are the people that want to get as flat of a reference as possible. And that's fine um, if that's your goal. With the Sirwin Vegas, it's never been the goal. They, they definitely have kind of what I call a smiled EQ built into them, exaggerated highs, exaggerated lows. They are a great party speaker. And I'll have a little story about the Sirwin Vegas I bought when I was younger, but first let's get into the pros. First pro, extremely efficient. You can power these with just about anything at 101 dB. Um, it doesn't take much more than 15, 16 watts to get the cops called on you. If, uh, if SPLs is what you're looking for, uh, Sermon Vega definitely has got you covered there. Most people won't need a subwoofer with these. That 15 inch woofer is going to be plenty for the, for the low end. And I would agree. I don't think you need a subwoofer with Sermon Vegas unless you are a crazy, crazy, crazy bass head. But for your normal bass heads and for your normal people, I think that 15 inch woofer is gonna do just fine for you. 
uh, the iconic looks. So the design engineers, when they came up with that red ring around that Sirwin Vega woofer, they nailed it because myself included, when I was younger, when I saw that, I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And it's just a red ring on a woofer, you know, big deal. But I don't know a lot of people that, that have Sirwin Vegas that leave the grills on. Most people take those grills off. My frames were broken into a million pieces because they were never on my speakers. So myself included. And for negatives would probably be, you know, they are kind of pigeonholed to what music they reproduce well. There's definitely that built-in EQ. There's definitely a fatigue factor. They're a little bit bright, a little bit harsh. I think, I don't think most people would disagree with me on that. Even the biggest Sirwin Vega fans. The woofers do need refoamed and their vinyl wrap cabinets. I think they knew their customer really well. And that customer was maybe the younger crowd, more into rock, more into metal. Getting them the best price point, non-furniture grade, I think was Sirwin Vega's goal, and they nailed it. In 1991, I bought a pair of AT15s, which would be what came after the D9s. I was working at Pizza Hut making $2.79. Those speakers were $800 for the pair. So if you do the math on that, That'd be like spending half of your yearly income on speakers. I didn't bat an eye at it, and my friends and I destroyed our hearing with those speakers. At the time, I listened to Strictly, ACDC, Metallica, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, and if that is your musical taste, you're not gonna you're not gonna be disappointed with a pair of Sirwin Vegas. They are what they are. The speaker is a rock speaker, and if that's you. Man, you found it. Get a, sir, a pair of Sirwin Vegas. And the next one on our list, and maybe my favorite, possibly one of my favorites, uh, Large Original Advents. These were designed by Henry Klaus, same guy that came from Acoustic Research, KLH. He went on to do Boston Acoustics, Cambridge Audio. Henry Klaus is one of the pioneers of uh, early American speaker technology. He invented the acoustic suspension speaker system. So these speakers came out in the early 70s. They were 89 dB efficient, so the least efficient speaker on the list. So you do need a little bit of power to drive these at higher levels. 50 watts per channel would probably get you done. And these were a two-way speaker system, one 10-inch woofer and a fried egg tweeter. And they called it the fried egg tweeter because it, it looks like a fried egg. And these were considered a very economical speaker at the time. They did offer you two cabinet options. One was a grade A walnut wood veneer cabinet, and the other one was a vinyl wrap utility cabinet. So you got the same drivers in two different cabinets at two different price points. And we really get an equal amount of both. I, we might have gotten more furniture grade ones than utilities, but we do see them quite often. They sold a ton of these. The, the quality sound you were getting at that price point was kind of unheard of at the time. So uh, these just flew off the shelves, which is a good thing in that there's a lot of parts out there. Um, I've had several pairs that have had damaged tweeters and whatnot, and um, I was always able to source a replacement tweeter, an original off of eBay. Never had an issue with that. So, And the negatives would be the surrounds do need refoamed. They did rot. They need a little bit of power. They need at least 50 watts. Once again, these are the, the most inefficient speakers on our list. And then the last negative thing would be the screw down terminals are, I hate them. It is what it is. They didn't really, this was kind of the standard back then. They get the job done, just kind of a pain in the butt. That's all. And the next one up on our list, we've got the iconic JBL L100. 
and 4311. I'm including that one because they're essentially the same speaker. These were introduced in 1970. They were $273 each and coming in at 91 dB efficient. This is a three-way speaker system with tweeter, mid-range, and woofer. They were used in studios as far field monitors, hence why the badge is upside down in that they would be hung from the ceiling and you would want the controls closer if you were standing there manipulating them. That is why the 4311 badge is upside down. I remember going into the studios and seeing them back in the day, along with the, the near field monitor would be a Yamaha NS10. Different ball game, but um, and a different topic, but you needed both. You need far field and near field. So the positives, they're pretty neutral. People say they're a rock speaker. Uh, I, they do rock music very well, and I think that has to do with how robust they were. I mean, you can throw anything at these things. They are built like tanks, no question. That 123A woofer driver in there is amazing. They're well built, the cabinets are well built. Um, they will take anything you throw at them. Another nice thing would be that these don't need refoamed. They are a ribbed surround. And as long as they are kept in a nice climate controlled environment, they will probably outlast most of us at this point. So that's a good thing. And then there's the cool factor. Um, these became iconic in the 70s and Maxell definitely perpetuated that. If you know the, the blown away image from the 70s, the Maxell tape poster, uh, that is a JBL L100 blowing that guy away with his martini and his lamp. One of the most iconic images in hi-fi as far as I know, that helps the popularity of this L100 speaker. And the negatives, there's only a couple here. The front foam grill cloth of the L100s rotted. Fortunately, they are making replacements. Can be a little bit spendy. That's the negatives for the L100s. The negatives for the 4311s, once again, if you do plan on using these in your home and you want to place them in a traditional manner, the lettering is going to be upside down as you're looking at them. If you're OCD, that's gonna drive you crazy probably. The other option would be to flip them upside down, put them on really tall stands so that the tweeter is still at your height, but that's just the trade-off for the 4311. Still a, an amazing speaker and they sold a lot of these. There are a ton of them out there. And the next one up on the list, the Pioneer HPM 100. Really, really similar to the JBL L100, the one we just talked about. It's actually the same designer. The guy that designed these left JBL and went over to Pioneer, and their goal was pretty much to make an L100 killer. The HPM 100 is 92 dB efficient. They came out in 1975. This is a four-way. It is different than the L100, and the, the L100 was a three-way. This is a four-way. This has a 12-inch woofer, mid-range tweeter, and a super tweeter in it, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And the positives for the HPM 100s, these are really well-built, just like the L100s. They have a little bit more exaggerated bass and treble than the L100, and this could be a positive or a negative. They're not as neutral as the L100. The guys that were into rock music and once again, wanted the higher SPLs and the more kick to the chest type of sound, the HPM is gonna do a better job. I really love the sound of these HPM 100s when you're listening to the right music. If these speakers cater to the type of music that you like listening to, I don't know if you can get a better speaker. If you like a little bit of exaggerated bass, a little bit of treble, large cabinet, don't want a subwoofer, you can't go wrong with the HPM 100, no question. 
And for the negatives, there are a couple. Uh, it's not the most neutral speaker. Like I mentioned, there is a little bit of a curve in there, a little bit exaggerated. And the, the that super tweeter is a little bit gimmicky. Most people can't hear uh, up in that range anyway. But for a salesman, that was huge back in the day when, you know, they could say, well, it's got a super tweeter. You know, just the word super tweeter. It's like HD or um, digital ready. Speakers actually used to say that, you know, it's... It's just kind of a gimmick. I think that tweeter starts at 17K. You get a lot of complaints. People will say they think their super tweeter's not working and it, it's really, most of us are getting older and we can't hear that high. That's just the truth of it. So that's the only negatives I can find for the, uh, the Pioneer HPM 100. As far as the non-speaker brands, uh, this might be my favorite non-speaker brand speaker. As in, you know, my favorite speaker made by Marantz, Pioneer, Sansui. I take that back. Yamaha made some great speakers. And the last one on the list, and one of our favorite ones to sell because these things sell so fast, it's ridiculous. Just like everything on, on this list, if they last more than two weeks, there's something wrong. Uh, that's the Klipsch Heresy. It's the oldest speaker on the list as it was introduced in 1957. This speaker's been around forever. There are a lot of them out there. This speaker is 96 dB efficient, and it's a three-way speaker with the mids and the tweeters being horn-loaded. I'm not the biggest fan of the Klipsch Heresy. Anybody that comes in the store regularly kind of knows that. It's just not for me. It's just a personal preference thing. I feel like when I'm listening to music and the vocal is very forward, I feel like that vocal is inside my ear and not in front of me where it should be in the sound stage. I don't know if that's just me. That's just the way... I've been able to describe it. I'm sure there's speakers that I like that other people don't like. This is just a, a pure personal taste thing. If you love your heresies and there are enough of you out there that love your clips, I am not gonna do any damage to the brand. Uh, it, that's impossible. So before everybody gets all upset because I don't like them, it's okay. Enough people do like them. You don't need me to. So the pros with the clips heresy, man, there are a ton of them out there. This is the longest production on the list. Once again, they've been making these since 1957 and they're still in production today. They have made hundreds of thousands of Klipsch Heresies. The newest version of the Klipsch Heresy is ported. And so they brought some bass to the speaker, which is another one of my biggest complaints. And the other, another positive would be, there's a lot of cabinet options. They give you a choice of four or five different finishes depending on what series it is, including raw. And they did that because a lot of clips were being used in commercial theaters. You know, they didn't care if they were a furniture grade walnut or birch or, or oak finish. They just, they were going to put the speaker behind a curtain mounted up into a ceiling and nobody's going to see it anyway. So let them paint it black or whatever they wanted to do. And the negatives really for me are always, there's really not a lot of bass here. You have to have a subwoofer with these if these are going to be your main left and right speakers. They, they pretty much have nothing under 50 hertz there. So in my opinion, for the music I like to listen to, I would have to have a subwoofer with these. That's not the end of the world, but you really need one. Unless you get Series 4, which like I say, they've really done a great job at improving the bass on those. Besides that, I get a super big smile on my face every time I get a chance to buy one of these. As I know, I will have those sold within a week. And that is the Klipsch Heresy coming in at our number one best-selling large speaker at Skylabs in Des Moines, Iowa in 2022. So thanks for watching another video from Skylabs. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all your comments and leave comments on this one. Have you owned any of these speakers? What were your thoughts? What did you get from them? Throw a like, 
subscribe if you haven't. We've got some great stuff coming out. Go visit the store. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time.